Today on the Travel Guys. In the travel news, our very own Sacramento Airport announces a big expansion project. And if you like extra fees on your hotel room, Hawaii is about to add another. Details next in the news. Mark mentioned the Sacramento Airport expanding and move around project, which is the subject of our Smarter Traveler segment at 320. We'll give you some details and let you know when it's all moving around as all of this moving around is, is going to happen. Chris Elliott, one of America's favorite consumer advocates and friend of the Travel Guys, joins us at 335 for the second half of the show, all the way from Perth, Australia. Chris talks about expiring air and cruise vouchers, along with a host of other topics, beginning at 335. Our goal is to make you a smarter traveler. Welcome to another edition of the Travel Guys. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Travel and Entertainment Guys. As always, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano, that's us. We are to bring, make you a smarter traveler and entertain a little bit along the way. So thanks for coming along on this fine-looking Sunday, uh, a Sunday with a break and no real football to uh, conflict with our radio show. So uh, yeah, that, but there's. I understand a there's thing. a game that may conflict with us next week. I, I, I'm just. I'm hearing about this game that's played next weekend. Yeah, but nobody around here is going to be interested in that that particular game. You th- now that <laughs> you now that our not? local team uh, uh, imploded last week. So. Yeah, that was kind of sad to watch. That's what happens though when you. That's what happens when you don't have a plan D. Um, or you the, know, or plan E. I think. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. It's what happens when you don't have a real quarterback and you're up against a really good team and all of that happens. I have spent an entire week here at Sports Leisure Vacations just putting together tours. And in fact, Tom, a big announcement came this week from, at least to us, from Carnegie Mm -hmm. Hall. We have a group that's going to be back in New York the first week of May. And uh, the Pops Orchestra does a concert at Carnegie Hall every year about this time that we attend, and they honor someone from Broadway or the entertainment field. And uh, this year they've decided to honor Barry Manilow, who's a very well-known entertainer and quite popular among a lot of our female travelers. So all of the sports leisure travelers on our trip to New York in early May will get a chance to see um, Barry Manilow honored at Carnegie Hall. And uh, it's really, I've, I've been on this trip a couple times. It's really a very special evening. So if you're a Barry Manilow fan, um, give us a call tomorrow morning, and we will fix you up. There are four seats left on our trip to New York. We're also going to see uh, the Neil Diamond uh, biography, A Beautiful Noise, and do a bunch of other stuff, spend a day up in the Bronx. I guess I should stop plugging something at the well, – blatantly a, plugging something like at a, the beginning of the program. Sounds like a real fun trip. Uh, I'm really – I would love to see the Neil Diamond thing. Um, Barry Manilow, that would be great too. Of course, we had a chance to visit with Barry Manilow right here on the Travel Guys 
some time ago. We might have to uh, either arrange to do an update or rerun that one sometime. So yeah. you're saying you got four tickets for this trip still available, and they can call Monday uh, to the office there and see what you can arrange. They can. It's New York City, so it's not inexpensive, but um, dare I say, Sports Leisure Vacations does New York City as good as anyone does. So how are you, my friend? Doing well, doing well. Can't complain. Uh, Glad to be here and glad to let everyone know that at the top of every Travel Guys radio show, we do our best to bring you up to date on the travel news. And uh, with it, here's Mark. You know, a couple weeks ago here on the Travel News, we talked a little bit about this guy who was in love with a, a house monument in Astoria, Oregon. And he bought it. It was over a million dollars. It was the home that the Goonies movie was filmed at. Right. So, you know, it was just kind of a little story. I thought it was kind of interesting. So here we are just a week or two later. Long comes another story about the same house in Astoria, Oregon. A man wanted by police in Oregon in a bizarre incident at a house featured in the Goonies was the subject of a daring Coast Guard rescue when he was tossed from a stolen boat as it capsized. Just off the coast there, up by Astoria. Apparently, the guy left a dead fish on the porch of the house used in the Goonies. Police said in a press release. Uh, The 1985 comedy adventure movie was uh, uh, based on a story by Steven Spielberg, and it was filmed in part at a house in Astoria. This man has bought the house. So this guy comes up, and he lays a dead fish on the porch and makes a cell phone video before walking away. 35-year-old guy, Um, wasn't but a few hours later that there is this distress call, and the guy apparently has stolen a boat, and he's out in the water, and he's in big trouble, and they're sending two helicopters to rescue him. Um, So (laughs) I I don't know what to say. It's just just kind of an interesting story. Wow. So same guy that uh, put put the fish on the porch. Yeah. Got it. So he mu- he he must have gotten to the to the residence by way of uh, of a boat. He I he was either smoking something or drinking something or just not right or maybe he was just a goonie himself. But it's just kind of an interesting story. We will have a follow up as soon as we as soon as the man contacts an attorney and gets out of jail and makes a statement. By by golly, we'll be back with another with with a follow up. Yeah, exactly. Spring and summer airfare prices, we talked about how airfares have come down considerably over the last few months. Not only airfares for travel now, but airfares for future travel. Well, that appears to be abating. Airfares have turned around. They went up 2% in the month of January after going down about 8% in November and December. And it looks like that now they're headed the other direction. So what this means, ladies and gentlemen, who want to be smarter travelers and have more money in their pocket to spend when they get there, now is the time to consider buying your airline ticket for the summer. If you've got something, especially if you're going to travel on Southwest Airlines, because remember, you can cancel that without any penalty. Actually, most of the carriers now, except for the ultra-low budget guys, you can cancel a ticket without penalty. Um, so you, you, you want to consider the possibility of looking into your summer airfares now, because I've been looking online, and yeah, they're... What what was starting to look marginally reasonable is starting to look marginally unreasonable. And especially if you're going to a secondary city that is a vacation destination. So think Savannah, Georgia, 
or you know Spokane, Washington, or Rapid City, South Dakota, near uh, Mount Rushmore, someplace like that. Places that don't always have as big a planes flying in, so they have limited capacity. And that gives the airline an excuse to really run up the fare, um, particularly uh, cities that are served by smaller aircraft are seeing really outrageous airfares for the summer. So anyway, words to the wise, you might want to jump into that sooner rather than later. In the headlines, we have mentioned that Hawaii is considering a tourism fee. Oh, joy. Another tourism fee. This would be a $50 fee um, that on every incoming traveler who visited a state-owned park, beach, forest, trail, or other recreational natural areas. Uh, the new legislation would call for travelers 16 and older to buy a one-year environmental license to visit state, re- state recreational sites for $50. The money would be used to deal with impacts of climate change and mitigate the impact of the visitors on the state's top attraction. Uh, the original proposal was broader and would have applied to all travelers, not just those visiting key landmarks and attractions. Uh, so what this remains to be seen is, <clears throat> is this just for folks who want to go out hiking on the trail? Or is this also include the people who want to go to a National Park Visitor Center like, let's say, Pearl Harbor? Right. Um, or one of the volcanoes or one of the many national park um, historical areas in the islands would it mean that just because you wanted to go to a visitor center and learn a little bit about a historical site that you would have to buy one of these $50 passes which to me would say a lot of people will start stop visiting some of those secondary sites and it won't help all that much with the overcrowding at the at the big places people will just complain more so I I, I don't know about this of course you can add um, as I book hotels for sports leisure vacations I, I've run into Tom a plethora this spring of state tourism fees you know we have this one uh, percent fee here in California and one percent doesn't add too much a two hundred dollar hotel room adds two dollars a night so that's not mm-hmm. too much but um, we're seeing states now smaller states with two to five dollar a night taxes just just adding it on to the cost of the room so let's pretend that you're staying five nights in one state you're gonna you're gonna pay 25 dollars extra just for the privilege of staying in the state now hypothetically that money goes to tourism entities to help promote tourism and things like that but yeah man i mean when does it stop on the visitor having to pay for tourism promotion wouldn't you think that if tourism generated cash inflow for a destination that the destination would use some of that money to promote themselves and not depend on the visitors who are already coming and paying ridiculous prices and things like resort fees and taxes just to, for the privilege of visiting there, he said as well, he got on his high horse. Yeah, they're, they're, taking, a, uh, they're taking notes uh, and taking a page from the hotel's uh, taxation um, program yeah. where they, they tax you – uh, every time they want to build something new in the city, you know, a new auditorium or whatever, uh, taxes are added to hotel fees and so forth. And most people, you know, never look or really realize what that's what those taxes are. But I, I look at this as a very similar uh, kind of thing, where the city is taxing you to stay at the at the hotels and so forth for 
park and rec visits or whatever to and it helped fund all of that. I think they figure that there is virtually no end to ticky-tack fees that they add on, that adding on this that's half a percent or this that's 1% or this that's 2% won't really, you know, raising the hotel. Hotel taxes in most major cities now are between 12 and 17%. So hotel hotels are not cheap. So let's pretend for a minute you go to San Francisco. Well, San Francisco, that's a, that's a high high city. Let's let's pick something. Let's pretend you go to Oklahoma City. You know, and you're going to pay for your hotel room, which is 150 bucks, and you're going to pay 12% tax, which is another $18 on top of that. And then you're going to pay a couple dollars for a tourism assessment. And, you know, my goodness, at the end of the day, and then you're going to get in, in a lot of these places, a hotel in downtown Oklahoma City, a historic hotel that I considered booking for a group, a Route 66 group, wanted a $15 destination fee. I, I told the guy on the phone, I said, for God's sake, sir, I, I don't mean to be rude here, but you're in Oklahoma City. You're not exactly a premier destination. So a destination fee, and, and you know what it turned out the destination fee was for? It was um, access to a newspaper. When was the last time you picked up a newspaper? Every wow. morning. Free local phone calls. Not long-distance calls, mind you, but free local calls. Um, for all those of us who don't have a cell phone, you could call somebody as long as it was a local call. So you, you assign a value to that and two bottles of water. So for $15 a day, in essence, you were getting two bottles of water that probably cost the hotel somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 cents. It's ridiculous. It's beyond ridiculous, which leads me to my final story of the travel news here. President Biden highlights efforts to eliminate travel-related fees. Um, this is a press release put out uh, by the White House or someone associated with it, and I'm getting a little tired of these. These are coming out. Um, it's either Buttigieg or Biden. Um, every three, four weeks, it's like, well, we're, we, we realize that nobody likes these resort fees and all this stuff, and we're going to eliminate them. So all I just want to say to the politicians in the crowd is, Republican, Democrat, or otherwise, guess what? We all hate these fees. So it doesn't matter which side you're on. Whoever rallies to the side of the consumers and helps get rid of these things, creates a law, does signs a bill, makes an executive order – lays down in front of a truck i don't care what you do but if you make these go away you will make a whole lot of people on both sides of the aisle very happy so to the politicians mostly democrats right now because they're in charge who are saying this all i have to say is do it you know get off your rear end and make it happen stop talking about how you're going to do it and do it and you will Just gain much favor it. yeah you will gain much favor oh, from God. all of us because we would all like to see this garbage stop happening and the thing is the hotels and the resorts and all these people who are adding these ticky tack fees they know that they're ticky tack fees and they're in, they're indefensible but there are lots of reasons for them and we'll bring an accountant on the program someday and explain that and that is your ranting and raving travel news for today <laughs> Pretty exciting news that we saw come out uh, earlier this week because uh, it's been a while since Sacramento International uh, Airport has taken on a, a large project. And mm -hmm. at a glance, this looks like a, a pretty monumental one, uh, Mark. Uh, let's tell our listeners what you know about what they're going to do. Well, there's uh, looks like there's about five aspects to all of this. 
in terms of what's going to happen at the airport. The, as I understand it, the first thing that's going to happen is a new parking garage. Parking has become, shortage of parking has become really a problem around peak areas like the holidays. But more and more, even not around holiday times, I'm often out at the airport at 3.30 in the morning, so I always get a good spot because um, the spots from the night before are still open. Uh, but for people who come out in the middle of the day, sometimes it's a real, really a challenge to find a place to park. So the first thing we're going to get is a new parking garage on the west side of the airport that's over by Terminal B so that um, we've kind of got the big garage currently between the two terminals. So there'll be an additional, understand, mm-hmm. about 400 spaces over there by on the west side by uh, Terminal B. So that will be will will be the first part of the project. Um, and then we're going to see in Terminal B more gates will be tacked on to one end there. That's not surprising. Southwest Airlines is the biggest air, airline at the airport. They continue to expand. Uh, Sacramento has become a mega station for them with over 100 departures a day. There's no reason to think that that's going to slow down. Sacramento has been a good market for them. Uh, doesn't If you're not a Southwest fan, I will suggest you that the fact that Southwest Airlines is bringing more flights – adds more competition. When Southwest started flying to Denver with United, the fare, the round-trip fare to Denver dropped by about 80 bucks. So even if you're not flying Southwest, the fact that there are more options to get places will make it less expensive to get there on other carriers. So uh, there'll be no more new gates in the B concourse. On the A concourse, the need isn't as much for gates upstairs. There are some gates that are still available upstairs to be used by Delta American and United. The challenge is downstairs in the lobby. There is just no room at all uh, in the lobby down there for those three carriers. So in Terminal A, we're going to see more space in the customer service ticketing areas and in the baggage claim areas so that there will be more room to move around. Um, They're going to, to... integrate right now if you're picking somebody up at terminal b you stop at one place and terminal a you stop another place this is particularly inconvenient for things like um, shuttles airport shuttles and the like so they're going to consolidate that by creating a walkway that connects the two terminals and in between those two terminals there'll be a spot in the walkway where you can drop down to the street it looks like from the artist renderings and be able to connect with ground transportation there so whether that will include limousines and uh, things like that, you know, uh, 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 ride chairs and stuff, I don't know. But uh, for right now, at least there's going to be an additional area that will alleviate some of the traffic in the pickup areas for Terminal A and B by taking those people out of the loop. Um, also, there will be a new rental car facility. So people will be able to get off the airplane, get their bag, and go to the rental car facility without taking a shuttle bus. So Good. that means uh, they'll have to be parking for a a lot of rental cars much closer to the terminal than currently um, we have it. Uh, interestingly to note, there are no plans for a hotel facility anywhere on the airport property, which, of course, many, many hotel, many airports in the country have room for uh, a hotel. Uh, or two, or seven. Um, However, Metro Park uh, Drive, Metro Parkway, which is opened up, it's where Amazon has their facilities and other industrial areas are going in there. My understanding is that we're about to see a group of hotels in that area. So the closest hotels won't be North Natomas anymore. The closest hotels will be indeed one, one exit away. 
at the airport. So that will make it much more convenient for people who are coming in and out of the airport and just need to get to a place immediately. Because if you're going, if you're going out, and you want to you want to spend a night someplace and perhaps park your car, uh, pay an extra fee for that. That will be available too. Well, back in, uh, in well, in a lot of cities, and, and uh, you've probably participated in this, we have really nice hotels that are at the airport, um, and they uh, they have conventions there, and businesses gather, uh, large companies, mm-hmm. large technology, whatever. You fly in, you spend two, three days, um, and you don't have to, to, to go anywhere. It's right there at the airport. You do your business conference, you get on your plane, you come home. And uh, there's a lot of money exchanged as a result of that. I, I believe that uh, Sacramento could profit from that. Uh, of course, if they have the new uh, hotels that are, uh, you know, one one exit away, uh, shuttles that could take people back and forth from there. So it could be a, you know, a, a conference business uh, a plus in, in that area. Pretty excited. I We probably are going to have a, a number of visits with the folks from the airport to talk about delays, talk about getting around the construction, uh, it's going to get tough. Yeah, well, the, the, they're predicting 4% annual growth at the airport over the next annually for, for the next 20 years. So do the math, that's 80%. So that's roughly twice as many people using the airport in 2041 as now. So anyways, um, so an update from the airport. Looks like some good things are going to be happening. Uh, the first project will start in roughly a year. Mark, who do we have? Well, from the land down under, all the way across uh, 16 hours difference between where Chris is and where we are. Here is one of America's premier consumer advocates when it comes to travel. Christopher Elliott, welcome back to the Travel Guys, my friend. Gentlemen, it's always good to be with you. Thank you. Where in Australia are you? I'm in Western Australia in Perth, southwest corner of the country. It's way out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> when we when we last talked, you were still on the European continent, I believe in Greece, mm-hmm. maybe perhaps. Has it been that long? Um, so you and your two uh, uh, rowdy, I would say rowdy teenagers, but one of them isn't a teenager anymore, right? No, I have a twenty year old and one who just turned eighteen, so they're they're legal. I can kick them out any time, and I do threaten <laughs> that from every now and then. All right, let's get on to the to the business of travel here, Mr. Elliott, since you are uh, about half a world away. Uh, let me ask, before we do that, where are you headed to next? Uh, Brisbane, uh, Brisbane, site okay. of the 2032 Summer Olympics. And uh, we'll be there for a couple of weeks, uh, you know, checking out Queensland. You wrote a column about a week ago, uh, Chris, about about rental cars and electric vehicles. And there's been a lot of talk about this. I mean, when you're in airports or you're hanging, you're around a rental car counter or you're around a bunch of business travelers, inevitably, uh, the conversation turns to, have you rented an electrical electric car yet or, you know, all of that stuff? And it seems like a fairly, you know, uh, gosh, that would be a good thing for the planet. It might be fun to see what, what one is to decide whether I want to buy one. But you point out that, uh, alas... Just as in the era of resort fees, uh, the rental car agencies are finding some ways to to accumulate additional revenue, shall we say, from electric vehicle mm-hmm. renters. Why don't you uh, espouse a little bit on this? Yeah. I mean, to absolutely no one's surprise, the car rental industry, uh, led by Hertz, which has a fine reputation for charging extras and fees, has figured out ways of monetizing their uh, electric car fleet. And what's so interesting about it is that, you know, these cars are being presented to us, the renters, as ways of maybe saving the planet and being a little bit more environmentally friendly. And then we're getting hit with all these fees. 
Um, Hertz in particular has a fee called an idle fee, which is if you stay at the charging station for too, for too long, they're going to charge you extra. But also, if you return their car with less than 75% charge, they're going to charge you uh, more. Uh, it's, uh, I believe, a $75 fee. And then if, if you stay for longer, or I should say if you uh, have even less charge, so if you go below 10%, it goes up. So they are actually charging you uh, for bringing, and, and it's the same way with uh, if you bring a car back with less fuel, except that it gets much more expensive when you're dealing with an EV. And it's, and then I should also probably say that the EVs cost more than the, uh, the gas power cars. So that removes a lot of the incentive. You know, it costs more, plus you have all these extra fees. Why should I even bother? Well, and plus, if you have to refuel, a regular car, you pull in the service station, and five, six, seven minutes, you're on your way. Doesn't quite work that way with an electric vehicle, right? No, it doesn't. It takes a while to recharge these. Depending on where you are, some of the charging stations are faster. So if you're in a hurry and you're on your way, your way to the airport and you go, oh, man, I've got like 60% charge, then you're in trouble because you can't just sit there and wait. You may have to wait for the charging station, but it's also going to take you a while to recharge. You might miss your flight. So uh, I suspect, and there's no way really of knowing this because the car rental companies don't report this, but I suspect that this is a really big revenue opportunity. First, charging more for the cars, um, and second, charging these additional fees, you know, the recharging fees and then the idle fees, and whatever other fees they're going to come up with in the future because you can count on them doing that. We're talking with Chris Elliott, consumer advocate. Chris, uh, you with your experience with the with the EVs, how long does it actually take to uh, to charge one up to that seventy five percent if you've run it down quite a ways? Uh, it's really difficult to give you a number on that because it depends on the car and the charging station that you're at. But what I will say is that there are car rental companies that do it right. Um, for example, uh, Enterprise doesn't charge any uh, recharging fees. And one rental car, car company, Sixth, even will give you a voucher if you return it full. So a voucher that you can use toward your next rental, but they don't charge you. So there, there are companies that are doing it correctly and that see that over the long term, uh, nickeling and diming your customers is not the way to go. Sidebar here. Is it just me or is Sixth, S-I-X-T, which is mostly a European rental car company. So if listeners, if you're not familiar with it, they're not in every place in in the U.S. But Chris, is it just me or has it been for a long time? That's a car rental agency that really kind of has their act together. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've I actually rented from them in Croatia this summer and class act, you know, from start to finish. Not a lot of I didn't have to spend a lot of time waiting at the counter. Um, not no high pressure sales to buy insurance. Um, and other extras, and the cars were really nice. They gave me a practically new car, and we uh, drove it from Split to Zagreb. So, yeah, I, my experiences have been good. There have not, I will say there have been some issues, uh, especially in Europe, which is, as you point out, Europe is where Six is very strong, where they will uh, rent a standard transmission car to you. A lot of Americans don't know how to drive standard <laughs> transmission, even though they say they do, and they will burn out the clutch. That's expensive. Ooh. Wow. Yeah, that would be. Well, I was I had an accident in Europe um, with a sixth car a number of years ago. And I, 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 you know, I'm from another continent, for God's sake. And, and the whole thing had to be settled across an ocean. And it was it was remarkably easily easy to do. 
So I, I've always had a, a soft spot in my heart for those folks because they just they seem like they know what they're doing, unlike Hertz, Avis, and some of the other folks. Anyway, back to electric vehicles here. Before we leave this subject, um, any suggestions for folks who say, gosh, this is, you know, I have an electric vehicle. I want to rent one. I understand all this. I get it. Um, is Are there any words of wisdom that you would offer? Well, what I would say is that there's an EV premium still exists, even though Tesla lowered its prices on cars. Uh, car rental companies are still charging more, an average of about 20% more for their uh, EV um, fleet. And in some markets, even more. My understanding is that like in some of the California markets, San Francisco, if you want to rent an EV, you'll, you're going to get charged maybe 30 to 40% more than you would for a conventional gas power car. And then also ask about any additional fees. Some car rental companies will not charge you to recharge, but others will. Find out what those are. Make sure that you return your car with a full charge. Always a good idea. And if you're renting from a place like Six, they'll even throw in a voucher. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Okay. Uh, let's move on here to a, to another subject. Um, you opined about cruise credits. An interesting thing is happening with all of these credits given out uh, in some cases by airlines, but in many cases by cruise lines for trips that people didn't take during the heart of the COVID situation a couple of years ago. Many of these credits are now starting to expire. Also, some of them had asterisks. And of course, cruise prices have gone up fairly dramatically since some of this occurred and some folks are going to lose out on these credits, which we've all talked about all along that by issuing these things, airlines and cruise lines know that 35, 40% of them never see the light of day. Um, Southwest airlines, fortunately uh, last year decided that, Hey, our credits are never going to expire, which is perhaps the way it should be. What are, what do folks do who have these huge, massive credits and they're about to expire, you know, I mean, and they're, they're not prepared to go on a cruise for, for a few months or until after the expiration date. Yeah, I should probably start with the advice on this, which is to never, ever take a voucher from a travel company. Always get the refund if they offer it. What happened in this situation was that during the pandemic, all the cruises were canceled and the cruise lines did something really clever. They offered to sweeten the deal and they offered it 125 percent. Uh, cruise credit, future cruise credit. That means that if you, uh, you know, you had uh, $10,000 uh, that you spent that, you know, you get 125% as a future cruise credit of, of that. And a lot of people took those, even though at the time we were having this conversation, we said, no, don't do it. Take the money, take the money. And then people didn't, they thought, wow, 125%, that would, I could get an upgrade on the next cabin. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to almost three years later, and people didn't pay attention to the fine print and the asterisk, and there were terms and conditions. And one of the terms is that these cruise credits expire after two years. So that money is all gone. In some cases, oh, wow. it's already expired. And then uh, the other thing is that they're non-refundable. So if you say, you know what, I don't want to take a cruise, sorry. Uh, you know, you signed the dotted line and you took these credits and uh, we're not going to turn these into cruise into uh, a, a refund for you and they're going to expire. Tough luck. So people are faced with this right now. And it's really terrible because you have people who who have, for them, these are bucket list trips and they really wanted to go and something happened. Maybe they got sick. Maybe uh, I've talked to people whose um, spouses died and they mm-hmm. they can't take a cruise anymore, and they're just they're going to lose all their money. 
Chris, uh, I, I know you wrote about that with one of the customers uh, that you, you helped out. Have you been able to help people who, in a situation where their spouse may have passed or their uh, their voucher has expired, have you had any success dealing with any of the cruise lines, any positive uh, results? Well, I can tell you, I just had a conversation yesterday with a cruise line, uh, Vantage, which does a lot of river cruises in Europe. Um, and the way that they handle refund requests is they have a committee of about four people. And so if someone asks for a refund, it'll go to that committee and then they'll decide, yeah, we'll refund it. No, we won't. If it's a situation where a spouse died, usually, and not always, but usually they will refund, at the very least they'll refund the um, person who who is deceased, they'll refund that ticket, but more often than not, um, they'll refund all the other tickets associated with that reservation. So if it's a husband or wife or uh, a partner or BFF, whatever, they'll also refund that. But um, it's it's a complicated process and it's not automated. And that's what makes it so frustrating is that we have delays of six to 12 months on some of these refund requests and people keep asking and um, in the case of Vantage, there's only two part-time people who are handling all these refund, thousands upon thousands of refund requests. So it's really very frustrating for, for uh, passengers because they feel like they're owed a refund. They probably are, but the process is just taking so long. Or they may have made a, a fatal mistake in this case that puts them in a position where they're no longer eligible for a cash refund. I mean, what a it's doesn't it seem to you like it would be to one of these cruise lines advantage like Southwest did to separate yourself from the pack and step up and say, you know what? Tell you what, if your thing is about to expire or it's recently expired, we've decided to give you another 12 or 18 months or whatever they feel that they can live with. Doesn't it seem to you like somebody that that would be a really big deal and it would put the pressure on the other guys? Yeah, I I agree with you. The cruise lines aren't going to do that for a lot of reasons. I mean, they like holding on to your money, obviously. Um, but also, uh, they feel like they've given us an opportunity. They said, we will refund your money, or you can take a little extra money as a credit. And so you had that opportunity. But of course, no one knew what was going to happen in the future. Uh, far be it for me to side with the cruise lines. If I were running a cruise line now, I would do exactly what you said. I would actually go a step further. I would say, refund everything. If someone asked me for a refund, just refund it and apologize and hope that they come back. Uh, Chris, you were in Western Australia. In Perth, you said lots of folks go to the other to the eastern side of the country where you're headed soon. Give me just a a one minute thing here of why should folks go to Perth? Yeah, you know, actually, it says that almost no one goes to the west coast of Australia, primarily because it's so remote. Um, It takes almost an entire day to get here, actually more than an entire day to get here from the U.S., and it is long, exhausting. Uh, the jet lag is I'm dealing with, from the East Coast, it's 13 hours of time difference. So there's a lot of reasons not to go, but if you do come to Australia, it's definitely one of the places that you should visit. It's beautiful. It's remote. Right now, it's the middle of summer, so we have long days, warm temperatures, a lot of Australians love to, I mean, Perth itself is beautiful, but a lot of Australians love to go to uh, an island called Rottnest Island, Wajamump in, in the Aboriginal language. And it has these amazing 
oversized mice called quakas. They're not really mice, they're marsupials, and they are the cutest things that you've ever seen. They come right up to you. Uh, the island itself is beautiful, very um, kind of a Southeast Asian feel where you have a lot of turquoise water and white sand. Um, so it's worth visiting, and there's a, there's there are other places that people go to, uh, Swan Valley. Um, people love the the. There's some emerging wine regions here. Uh, it is I I am I've only been here for a couple of weeks, and I'm just starting to discover the area. But if you have the opportunity to come out here and just hang out for a little while, it is a very different vibe than the rest of Australia. And I found that people here are extremely friendly, too. So, um, And to make matters even better, uh, your dollar goes much farther. The Australian dollar is um, worth about roughly three-quarters of the value of a U.S. dollar. So you, you get more bang for your buck. There you go. There you go. All right. Um, a few weeks ago, even though you're halfway around the world, I'm sure that you uh, know all about what happened with Southwest Airlines. They seem to have recovered a little bit here. I would love to get your take on what happened and what you think happens next. I, I think everyone knows what happened. I mean, it was one of the most catastrophic holiday meltdowns ever. And and it happened to, you know, one of the best airlines flying, unfortunately. But as it turns out, their IT systems were way outdated. You know, I think that they probably really regret not having updated those systems at this point. So right now they're going on this uh, apology tour. Um, they're, they're, you know, giving vouchers to people who are affected and they're making promises and they're being investigated by the, the uh, Department of Transportation. I get a lot of questions from people about whether they should, you know, continue flying with Southwest Airlines. And, you know, it happens a lot whenever an airline does something that's really bad or there's an accident or something like that is, should I keep flying with them? And what I say is, uh, yes, because your airline, whatever it did, is going to make absolutely sure that this never happens again. And I think, you know, the, the folks over at Southwest Airlines are horrified by the thousands and thousands of cancellations that they had uh, during the holidays. And they're going to make absolutely sure that it's not going to happen again. So I think that uh, if you want to be on a, an airline that is less likely to get canceled, I would think that traveling on Southwest is a really good idea. Yeah, I agree with you. They, they, they have always kind of shown that they were a cut above the other people when it came to business. I mean, I'm a tour operator, so I deal with airlines on a regular basis. And I found the Southwest people to be um, more professional, easier to deal with just for a lot of reasons. Um, they they have been a favorite airline of mine, and I, I enjoy flying on them. Yes, there's no first-class cabin. Um, there's no, you know, extra legroom seats, but the people are friendly. And if you're not going uh, to Perth, Australia, well, I find that it, it – it pretty much suits my needs. So I, I hope that they are able to recover. The other travel guy here is uh, has done the cha-ching because he got caught up in it. And uh, Tom got, uh, I don't know, what, $75,000 in vouchers and refunds or something? Dollars? No way. Yeah, no, That's no. amazing. They, yeah, I only wish. Now, they were really uh, pretty accommodating. I had my grandchildren flew to uh, California from Austin, Texas, and got stuck here for eight days longer than they intended to uh, since they couldn't get back to uh, to Austin, Texas. And 
when it came down to it, uh, we paid for the flight to get them out here. But the flight to return home uh, was uh, vouchers and more vouchers and more vouchers. And uh, I think it was about 1,300 in vouchers by the time we were done. Oh, yeah. And, I, and they gave me uh, what uh, 25,000 uh, uh, rapid reward points per person back onto my card. That story is behind us now, and I hope you're right that it will never, ever happen again. God knows it costs them a lot of money, a lot of reputation, but as I told Tom, if you will just, when it comes to airfares and stuff like that, if you just wave a lot of free air flights in front of people, why, they'll forgive you for for things, because... That's we're common folks Mm -hmm. and and we're we're willing to forgive people. Chris, I wish you uh, the best of travels in Australia, and uh, I hope that we will catch up with you again along the way. If people have a consumer problem and they have reached the end of their rope and they can't figure out what to do, you have a, a, a website that will not only help them with some resources, but they could maybe even contact you at the at the end of the day. What uh, we'll post it at our Travel Guys Radio, but where should they contact you? I run an organization that advocates for consumers, not just travelers. It's called uh, Elliot Advocacy. And if you go to Elliot.org, E-L-L-I-O-T-T dot O-R-G forward slash help, fill out that form. Uh, either I or one of my volunteers, uh, we have the whole staff here that helps. Uh, we'll get back to you and we'll do our best to help you. And every once in a while, uh, you, you you find some money for somebody or what it is, whatever it is that they need. Thanks, Chris, for your time and uh, for your advocacy. Um, it's always good to talk to you. I wish you and uh, your sons well in Australia. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Chris has uh, an inordinate number of people from Sacramento, I noticed, from his website asking for help. So I'd like to think that's a little bit because he appears here with us on the Travel Guys from time to time. He used to be a weekly column in the Sacramento Bee back in the days when that newspaper had a little broader reach than it does today. But anyways, um, thanks to Chris again for all of the, for the being generous with his time. It's not easy to connect with someone who is 16 hours away to do an interview because it's the next day for them. And when it's night for us, it's morning there. So, uh, so thanks to Chris and to you, Tom, for being so, uh, um, so willing to help us make that interview happen. It's fun to follow him and his two sons around the planet. Sure is, and uh, he always has some uh, great information and some great insight to make you a smarter traveler. Again, you can uh, connect with Chris. Find a link to him at travelguysradio.com. And uh, next week here on the Travel Guys, Charlie Leoka with Travelers United will join us. Uh, we're going to, again, talk about stuff that will make you a smarter traveler. So you be sure to uh, join us uh, uh, next week right here at 3 o'clock on the Travel Guys. Yeah, what happens when your plane is flight is canceled or your luggage is lost? What are your rights? In the meantime, dance like nobody's watching. Okay, my friends, you stay well. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll see you next Sunday, 3 o'clock, here on the Travel Guys.